I'm Ken Hemmings, and he is Chris Lang, and welcome to another of these regular property briefings. Again, a warm welcome to you, Chris. Well, it's uh, good to be here with you again, Ken. A while ago now, you looked at what to expect from your property manager. However, do investors generally pay enough attention to how well their managing agent is performing? Well, Ken, the answer simply is no. They don't pay enough attention. I mean, you don't just stick to a property manager who isn't delivering. I mean, that's a big mistake. I mean, the consequences can be very costly. Now, I know I've I've pushed the property manager's barrow, but implicit in that is that you have chosen the right one. And we've talked earlier, as you said, as to what you should expect from a property manager. So hopefully you've chosen well. But if you find that they're not or you have inherited a property manager, perhaps when you bought the property, the selling agent was managing it and simplicity, you thought, well, why would I change? But as I said, the consequences can be quite expensive, I mean, both in loss of income and a depreciation in value of, of your asset. But sometimes, and it's a lot with any service arrangement, whether it's a doctor or a lawyer or a banker, you get comfortable with it and you don't you think it's, there's too much upheaval to take the business away and then get to know and settle it down with a new provider. And, yeah, it is a bit of a fiddle. But as I said, the cost of not getting having it right is greater. And the sort of she'll-be-right attitude from a landlord with their property manager is really not the right way to go. And, and that's because, you see... In most of the time, 95, 99% of the time, a lot of what happens as far as property management is concerned is procedural. I mean, the sending out of rent notices, the receipt of rents, the preparation of statements, a lot of stuff happens as routines. But you've got to remember that a competent agent has set it up so that it does run on autopilot because what what you don't want to have happen is that everything that has to be done in relation to your property is treated as a creative exercise. You don't want to have that happen. You want to know that things, for want of a better word, the trains run on time. So the actual property manager himself or herself is more like an insurance policy. And it probably is the the 1% of their time when they have to tackle emergencies and any of those other pressing issues as opposed to the routine ones, that's when the property manager really earns their their keep. And it's the same way as someone wanting to cut corners as far as a a lawyer is concerned and and using a conveyancer. Well, I had recently, uh, not a well, I suppose a client of mine, in the past, but I actually use his services now. But he he did this, and it's ended up costing him probably the best part of eight to ten thousand dollars because the conveyancer didn't follow up on the settlement, 
and therefore he had to settle on his property. He couldn't settle on the one he'd bought. So not only did he incur penalty interest on that property, but he had to provide for accommodation in the meantime because he had nowhere to live. And he put his stuff into storage and it was an absolute disaster purely because the conveyancer was just running a processing house and it was not equipped to address the and, and corral the, the lender into providing the funds so that, that my client could settle on the property that he'd, he'd just bought. Now, admittedly, it was a residential property, so we're not talking commercial terms, but what I'm saying is, look, look, it's generally not a problem, but when it is a problem, it's a bloody big problem. And that's what you've got to look at, is that, you know, the property manager who fails in a crisis generally has to go. But also, as far as a landlord is concerned, I mean, if there's maintenance to be done, you don't want to be rung at all hours or over the weekend because the tenant's rung the managing agent and, and you've got to sort out because the roof's leaking or whatever. That's not your job. That's his or her job to, to sort that out. But equally, you don't want them running up tens of thousands of dollars in repair bills without consulting you. So it comes down to judgment in those terms or periods of crisis that determines whether or not your property manager is performing or not. Should they be waiting until a a crisis arises? Certainly not. I mean, you don't wait for a major crisis to occur to sort out your relationship with a non-performing property manager. I mean, yes, in the past we talked about what to look for when appointing them, but just as a broad overview, the sort of things or what is expected of a good property manager is simply accessibility and accountability. I mean, the manager needs to be there when when you require them and they need to be returning phone calls and following up on requests. And I think I've said in the past, I've always had a, a long-standing rule that I always return a phone message on the day that it's left, even if it is, I don't get to, to after hours, just to leave a message on the voicemail and nominate a time when they might ring you the next day to talk about something. So those are the two key aspects. Now, you see, also the, the property manager needs to be responsible for their actions and also how the tenant is tracking. And, you know, a good manager will let the landlord know sooner or later if there is an issue. And also, you know, good quality tenant management is important. There's a middle ground of attentiveness. And here we're talking about you don't want the tenant to feel unloved, but equally you don't want to encourage them to make excessive demands. Now, in most cases, the leases will be net leases so that the tenant will be responsible for the cost. So, yes, if the tenant rings and wants maintenance work done, well, that's the tenant's account. But some tenants wangle it or try to wangle it so that they are capital items and not treated as maintenance items. In other words, they're improvements to the tenancy. So a good property manager needs to distinguish between the tenant 
with a reasonable grievance and one that's over-demanding. And therefore, as a consequence, when, if at all, to involve the landlord. So, you know, as I said, there's a balance and it's, it's that ability to use your judgment in those circumstances. What else should you expect from your managing agent? Well, a good property manager is tuned into the market, both from a, a rental and a, and a selling point of view. They mightn't actually handle a sale, but they're, they're, they're tuned in. You know, they're commercially savvy and strategically minded. In other words, they should have an attitude of managing your property as though it were their own. They should come to you with opportunities of how to increase the rent. You know, one example might be that you've indicated that you might be contemplating selling the property. Now, there may only be one year to run on the lease or six months to run on the lease, but there's a three or four or five year option. Well, the managing agent should come to you and say, look, what about we approach the tenant now and find out whether or not they intend to stay? And I can do that casually, you would say. And if they are, would you like me to float the idea that if they're going to stay, what about if they exercise their option now, even though it's nine months, 12 months before it's due to be exercised, and in return you will grant them a month or maybe two months rent-free in the first month or two months of the option period. Now, you know, you say, well, why would I do that? Well, firstly, any rent you get is taxable. So in actual fact, it's a tax deduction by not getting it. But more importantly, your property now has a five-year and six-month lease as opposed to a six-month lease. So the value of your property has compared to selling it with a six-month lease, has probably increased by at least five, probably 10%. Now, that added capital value far exceeds the amount of rent that you have foregone as far as the tenant's concerned. So it's that sort of strategic thinking that a property manager needs to, to adopt. And, you know, he... Also, just with normal rent increases, if there's a, a market review coming up, the suggestion should be made to you, well, look, I notice the garden's looking a little bit tired and sure the tenant is responsible for maintaining it. Could I suggest that, you know, we're six, nine months out from the rent review, that we just get a gar- our own gardener in there and tidy it up, put a few new plants in, perhaps... Uh, clean out the the drip system because it doesn't seem to be working too well and so that the arrival to the premises is given a, a fresh, vibrant look to it. Now, from the tenant's point of view, yes, they've got to maintain the garden, but it's not their job to replace the plants. Now, again, that's all that's tax deductible, but what it means is that come rent review time in another six to nine months, the tenant is then in a good frame of mind and understands that the landlord isn't just trying to cram all they can out of the property. They're prepared to give back and maintain the property or the look of the property 
in good shape, which from the tenant's point of view is good for their own business because that's where they're the first thing their clients see when they arrive. So there's that sort of strategic thinking that needs to go on. How do commercial property managers charge for what they do? Well, obviously, what commercial property managers charge will depend on the size of the property and where it is. And as you will probably be aware, with residential property, the going rate is generally 7 or 8% of the, the funds collected. With commercial property, it's a bit different. When I say size, because if it's a larger property with a number of tenants, it's a lot easier to manage five tenants in one building than five tenants spread over five buildings. And therefore, if it is a smaller one-off tenancy, you probably find that your management fee will be about 5%. If it's really small, maybe 6%. Some agents particularly the larger ones, have a minimum flat fee, I think, of $2,500 to manage a property because there, while some of the things are done automatically, there is still an administrative component. But if you have a larger property that is pretty simple or, say, an industrial property where there's not a lot of personnel involvement because not a lot of moving parts in an industrial property, it could be as low as 3%. So it's in that range of sort of 3 to 5% for a commercial property. And again, if you have more than one property with them, they're more than likely to be able to strike a deal overall because as far as sending statements and dealing with this one person, it's a lot easier to do that than having separate landlords for separate properties. So as I said, if you build your portfolio up or have a a property that has multiple tenants, like a multi-storey office building or maybe two or three factoryettes beside each other if it's an industrial property, then you'll be able to strike a, a, a better deal. So the management fee is generally charged on the collections and that involves rent and outgoings even though the tenant might pay them the agent makes sure that they in fact get paid in other words or the agent will arrange for the rate notices the body corporate or owners corporation notices to be sent directly to the the agent they will then put them on the monthly statement when they fall due and make sure that the tenant reimburses you for them or ideally pays them straight away so that you don't have to dip into your pocket for them. And likewise with insurance premiums, land tax, those sort of things. So it's not just a rent collection exercise. As we've already covered, there are a whole host of other things that need to be done. But generally, if you look in that range of 3 to 5% is probably about where it sits. Hopefully this has given our listeners a far better appreciation of what property management entails. Well, and what you should probably do is to make a time to meet with your property manager sometime in the next four to six months and then closely monitor their performance in the interim. And if they don't shape up, well, you really should be replacing them with someone who will better look after your interests. 
Well, thanks, Chris. That, yes, that, that's great advice. And you will remember to let me have those probing questions for people to download from below the podcast. All they need to do is to log on to the website propertybriefings.com and just go to episode 99.